This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The world must see uh, that uh, Israel uh, must exist and has the right to exist and is one of the great outposts of democracy in the world. My Jewish brothers and sisters said to me amid anti-Semitism anywhere, we don't need your support. We have enough Jewish power to deal with this problem ourselves. I would still take a stand against anti-Semitism because it's wrong, it's unjust, and it's evil. If my Catholic brothers and sisters said to me, amid bigotry toward Catholics, we don't need your support in this because we have enough Catholic power to deal with it. I would still take a stand against bigotry toward Catholics because it is wrong, it is evil, and it is unjust. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Unplugged. Welcome to episode 51 of The Middle Unplugged, a break in the middle of the week when we reclaim the microphone from the far left and the far right and try to carve out some time for a less shrill and less extreme and generally less angry conversation. So I get the question sometimes, do you miss Congress and... Today, I've been getting that question quite frequently. Perhaps the largest Jewish population in the country I used to represent, and it was part of the reason that I went to Congress, wanted to go there and serve, to be a steward and a messenger, a steward of the many ways that United States policy and laws affirm our relationship with Israel. Loan guarantees, foreign aid to Israel and her neighbors, location of our embassy, even how Jerusalem is listed on State Department documents. Yes, it is Israel, but for years, even our own government would not admit that Jerusalem was in Israel. Anyway, part of my my mission was also to be a messenger, to talk to my constituents about the challenges Israel and the Jewish people face in a country that is very much not like New York to talk to the public at large through the media, explaining a complicated region with a fraud history and doing the explaining via news outlets who carried a bias against Israel, or at least the mistaken belief that the perspective of Israel and her terrorist opponents should get equal say. But the final leg of the messenger mission was I would take it very seriously as an important part of my job as a Jewish congressman representing a large Jewish population in the most important city of the world would be to educate my colleagues. It was a manifestly nonpartisan issue. It was one of the few. This weekend on The Middle, my radio show on Saturdays, as the terrorist strikes were still underway, I offered a short history of the politics and geography of the nearly 75-year history of the State of Israel, and the nearly 75-year history of her neighbors trying to wipe her out. I'm going to play that for you now. It's about 15 minutes. If you've heard it already on Saturday, feel free to skip ahead. Afterwards, I will answer that question and ask Anthony anything, whether or not I miss Congress. So in the short history of the state of Israel, the years 1948 
1967, 1973, and now 2023 will stand out. Not because there haven't been armed conflicts, not that there haven't been even wars like there were in 2014. But this is a day that will resonate in the minds of Israeli citizens for decades and generations, kind of like 9-11 does for us. There is war being raged right now of the most savage sort. 2,500-some-odd rockets have come out of Gaza. Children have been taken hostage. Terrorists have gone house to house in some parts of southern Israel. And so we're going to spend a fair amount of the program today talking about that. We'll be taking your calls. We're going to particularly keep some lines open for anyone who wants to call us from Eretz Israel, from Israel, who wants to give us some insight into what's going on there. This is the holiday of Simchas Torah. This is the holiday that Jews celebrate the ending of the reading of the Torah and start again fresh. It is a cycle of great joy and great great pleasure. In fact, I think it's one of the only days you're supposed to go out and get drunk. And it is a day now of pain and loss and grieving. And I just do want to want to say, you know, when I was in Washington and I served in Congress, many of you realize, from 1999 to 2011, before that I was in the city council. And when I was in Congress as a member representing New York and as a, a Jewish member, there was always a lot of work going on behind the scenes on educating people on what goes on in the Middle East. And there is there are a lot of good reasons why, of all of the issues in Washington, there is perhaps none that unifies right and left, Democrat and Republican, more than support for Israel. And people support for different reasons. Sometimes people see it as an icon of democracy in a part of the world that doesn't have democracies. Some people see it from a religious perspective, even if they're not Jewish. There are many there are many Christians um, who believe very strongly in the state of Israel for their religious reasons. There are many hawks who believe in Israel because of the support that they provide for us in the Middle East as really our only ally in a very contentious part of the world as a hedge against places, um, against some really bad players in that part of the world. In the same vein, some people are big supporters of Israel because they know that the way our intelligence agencies and the Mossad and the Israeli Defense Forces work together, that we have saved many, many lives, untold number of terrorist attacks that have been thwarted because of our friendship with Israel. And as a result, particularly here in New York City, you have got people who who go back and forth, people who have relatives in Israel, people who make Aliyah, who, who go back and live up to the aspirations of Israel, being a place that Jews can always return to. And that's the final reason why a lot of people left and right support Israel, that after World War II, when we all said as a world community, never again, we came to realize that there has never been a place like Israel where Jews were safe. So on a day like today, there are messages coming in from people on all sides of the political spectrum. And if people do want to have a conversation today about it's Joe Biden's fault, it's Donald Trump's fault, I'll hold a little space for that. But I think that much more importantly is we have a little bit of a conversation here about some of the history. You know, some people might say, you know, this is what happens when you have 
Palestinians under occupation, as they would say. Well, I want to remind all of you within the sound of my voice that Israel unilaterally withdrew from Gaza in 2005. After people said again and again, if only these people were free from Israeli control, then everyone could live happily side by side. But the Palestinians have never been a true humanitarian cause for the Arab states around there. They have been basically a surrogate army against the Israelis. They've been used. You might want to say to yourself, well, when people say, well, the Palestinians, they're refugees, refugees from who? Gaza used to be Jordan. The Jordans can have it, the Jordanians can have it back whenever they want. Believe me, the Israelis would like nothing more. Another thing for people to keep an eye on and to realize is that it's very easy to kind of say, oh, well, something happened yesterday and that led to this today. Since 1948, when Israel was created, she has been at war with 20 of her neighbors, not because she declared war on anyone, but because 20 Arab states in that part of the world, all of them now except for Egypt, declared war on her. The Saudis, the Egyptians, the Egyptians after they, I mean, they're the one that's no longer at war because of the Camp David Accords. But that is, as they say, a dangerous neighborhood. And the story of the Middle East, I guess it depends on where you start it. Everyone can say their history. Well, last week something happened and monies were released to Iran. Well, what about the meetings that happened in April with the Saudis, who have never been too crazy about Hamas, but they wore their 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 Sunni lancemen, said they're going to do more to support Hamas. So when Israel leaves Gaza in 2005, everyone who believed that it was the Israeli occupation that was the source of the problem, just sat back and watched as the Israel, as the Palestinian people in, 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 in Gaza chose Hamas as their representatives and said, we don't want the Palestinian Authority, we want Hamas. And so then Gaza, after Israel left, became a launching pad for terrorist attacks. And so here we are. It's been one continuous, remember, 1967. The Israelis were about to be attacked and they preempted it. 1973, they were attacked in a, in a an attack very similar to this. But the difference between 1973 and today, I get that it's the 50th anniversary. And I get that it's an attack. But unlike then, when the attack was in the north, in the Sinai Peninsula, in the Golan, that had very few people. There are towns and villages that are within meters and miles from the border with Gaza. Places like Sudot. The roads. And the idea that this incursion happened is going to raise a lot of questions within Israel. How this was allowed to happen. What kind of intelligence failure this was. And people say, well, it's kind of like 1973. You know what I think it's much more similar to? The kind of hand-to-hand combat that was necessary to secure Israel's independence in 1948. And so now the nations of the world are are taking sides. You've got, obviously, Iran, Saudi Arabia, 
all lining up to say this is Israel's fault. You've got Russia on the side of the terrorists. And now we have hostages been taken. So what does it mean? What happens next? It's anyone's guess. I know people know Bibi Netanyahu as a conservative kind of firebrand, but he has been fairly conservative in some regards in the use of military force. So if you think that, okay, Israel's now going to march into Gaza, hmm, let's see. Remember, there are now hostages in Gaza. I've been seeing some tweets from people who have tracked phones of some of the hostages. They are now in Gaza. And you may see some people on TV like doing this both sides-ism or calling it a conflict or commentary where people say, well, there's this and then there's that. No, this, this, what is going on in that part of the world is a country trying to survive, a country the size of New Jersey trying to survive despite a declared state of war with her ever since her birth in 1948. 1967, she was attacked. 1973, Military sees fit to be helpful to the Israelis. Good. I've seen condemnations from both sides of the aisle, members of Congress. But then, look, I'm I'm not going to say that there's unanimity in support of Israel in Congress or in the American people. But it's in the 80s, 70s, the 80s. And I want to caution you about one other thing. There are many people at stake here. There are many people who are playing this game like chess. You've got the Iranians who, while they don't have as much influence over Hamas as they do over Hezbollah, might be behind some troublemaking here. You've got the Saudis who are in talks with the Israelis about normalizing relations. And it could be that the Hamas said, well, that's not good for us. They decided to do this now. I don't know. But now there are lives that have been lost, hostages that have been taken, including children. So don't don't listen to the both sides-ism here, you know. And let me make one other point about about war. War is bad, right? War is ugly. But the way the Israelis practice war is they, they have, they fire into Gaza from time to time. 2014, they had to go back into Gaza because Gaza is used as a launching pad by Hamas that lobs weapons, lobs armaments at civilian populations. The Israelis do things like drop leaflets at places that they're going to target a, 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 a terrorist stronghold or a, a cache of weapons. And they try to, to take out weapons depots and communications. They do, they operate 
as if they're engaged in a, in a war of survival, not in a game of terrorism. It's very, very different. And this is the kind of, you know, the kind of question of what the Saudis are bad players. The Iranians are bad players. And if you're someone out there, so I feel bad for the Palestinians. I don't, I don't blame you. Palestinians have been used as pawns by the Arab states for generation and generations. Think about it. If the Saudis, with all of their wealth, wanted to go in and help build up the Gaza Strip from the dump that it is, you don't think they could have? They didn't want to. They'd much rather play, pay Homicide bombers getting onto buses in Israel to pay their, their, their rewards. I mean, these, if you have friends who are like, oh, I feel bad for the Palestinians, they're not wrong. I mean, that's not wrong. But remember something else. The Palestinian people had an opportunity in 2005 to say, you know what? We don't want, we, we're not going to choose Hamas to represent us. We want to operate here on our own. And we want to build up our lives and we want to improve our economy. And we want to stop the never-ending war against our neighbor. They didn't do that. Instead, they, the people of that part of the world, cast their lot with an organization whose very doctrine is committed to denying Israel the right to even exist on the face of the earth. And that's who the Saudis support. And that's who the Iranians support. But basically the way this is divided up is generally speaking, it's not all of any one thing, but generally speaking, the folks in Gaza are supported. They're, they're Sunni. They don't, they're not crazy about the Shia. Quite the opposite. In fact, they probably, if given the choices we've learned in, in Iran, sorry, in Iraq, if given the opportunity to, to, to live in peace with each other, they'd probably rather have the Israelis. <laughs> and then in the north is Hezbollah, which is the client state of the Iranians, and to a slightly lesser extent, the Soviets, the Russians. And just like in 1973, it was the Russians who were on the other side. In 2023, I bet it is again. So welcome back. So that was recorded as the rockets were falling, as the terrorist attack was underway. And from time to time today, I get questions when things are going sideways in the city. Do I wish I was mayor right now? Sometimes the answer is yes, because I had some brilliant idea. And sometimes it's no, because it seemed like such a headache. But the last couple of days, a lot of people have been asking me the question, do you wish you were still in Congress right now? My son Jordan asked me that just this morning. Well, today I feel a selfish sadness that I'm not there in Congress to help. But I think that something important has changed down there and out in our country. 
For years, as I said on Saturday, the idea of support for Israel was a manifestly bipartisan thing. As, when causes important to Israel came up in Washington, there were two camps, the camp that supported Israel and the camp that did not. That meant that, by and large, Democrat and Republican joined shoulder to shoulder and supported administrations that did things that were good for Israel and spoke up loudly against administrations that things that were not. And we both saw as our common opponents, those that did not support Israel in Washington, and whether it be the liberals of the left or those that were anti-Semitic on the right, something has changed. And perhaps you can go back to the speech that Bibi Netanyahu gave and the posture that he took as being kind of partisan in his opposition to Obama's efforts to, um, to ink the Iran nuclear deal. Now, I'm going to talk a little next weekend on my show, The Middle, about the Iran nuclear deal and Iran's role in all of this. But the fact that partisanship suddenly took hold, and I say suddenly because never had there been a circumstance that you had members of Congress literally boycotting uh, a prime minister's address before Congress because they were so offended with some of the ways that Netanyahu had positioned this fight. Now, I know a lot has changed in the American political landscape, and I know that we go to our corners in a partisan way on just about every issue. We thought for a moment there that, you know, vaccines might unify us. That didn't turn out to happen. Sometimes things that are completely surprised, like electric vehicles suddenly become something that we fight over. Well, unfortunately, on the radio, even at 77 WABC, on TV, on Fox, on all these different places, the commentary is no longer, well, those of us who are supporting Israel, we're pulling together now. We also are going into our political corners, and that's regrettable. Do I wish I was still in Washington? Well, I do wish there were ways that I could be of service. But I don't know that the way this conversation is breaking down today is healthy. You know, there is a joking expression in communities like the one I used to represent in Brooklyn or Queens. Is it good for the Jews? Well, it was always good for the state of Israel to have broad bipartisan support. And for us, whatever fights we had about other issues, we pulled together, just like we did in the United States after September 11th. I left Congress in 2011. Here it is, 2023. Do I miss Congress? Well, I don't sit at home at night staring at C-SPAN 3, throwing shoes at my TV. But there are moments like this that I wish I could sit down with some of my Republican colleagues and say to them, you know, you may not like Joe Biden, you may be supporting Donald Trump, I get it. But there are really only two sides in this fight. It's Israel, a democracy, and the terrorists who want to destroy her. I appreciate you joining me today on The Middle Unplugged. We'll be back next week with another episode. If you'd like to reach out to me, uh, you can do so at wienerwabc at gmail.com. You can also reach me on at repwiener on Twitter, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R, and Anthony D. Wiener on Facebook. I have to confess, I'm spending a lot less time on social media uh, the last couple of days as it is pretty heart-wrenching and uh, also infuriating. Uh, so that's all we have for today. God bless America. I'm Yisrael Chai. And this marks the end of the Middle Unplugged. <laughs>